Thank you for joining us for the Local Church Podcast. At Local Church, we value each person's unique experience with faith and hope this message impacts you today. Well, hello everybody and uh, welcome to church. It is great to have you with us today. And I am going to be doing a part two of Ministry of the Table. Now, I know what you're thinking. The Ottawa crew have got Pastor Helen Burns. There is indeed an exceptional uh, speaker to have. And so today, instead for the online campus, you have got me. But we're going to have a good service together. If you have got your Bible, I want to do a quick recap first of the first part of Ministry of the Table, just in case anyone who is tuning in today missed it. Our key scripture for the day, for this message, something that I'm really passionate about, is Matthew 25, 31 to 45. It's a bit of scripture, but just bear with me. It says this, When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. Before him will be gathered all the nations and he will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will place the sheep on his right, but the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. Then he will say to those on his left, super encouraging scripture, depart from me, you cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger and you did not welcome me naked and you did not clothe me sick and in prison, and you did not visit me, then they will also answer saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister to you? Then he will answer them saying, truly I say to you, as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. Let's pray and get into our message today. God, we thank you for the ability to get together on this online forum. And Father, we pray that you would speak today. Lord, that you would use your word and this message to speak to all of our hearts, Lord, and help us to really start to understand the power of the ministry of the table. Father, we thank you for every person who is joining with us today. Would you bless us in Jesus' name? Speak to us. And every person said, Amen. Amen. Like I said, if you're taking notes today, my message is entitled The Ministry of the Table, Part 2. And I'm going to recap the first part of my message, like I said. Uh, years and years ago, when Instagram first came out, 
I was uh, loving just taking pictures of food. I was a youth pastor at the time and I noticed that every person was just taking pictures of themselves. The amazing thing about selfies is that uh, people take selfies, but they look the same like the last selfie that they took. It's like, come on, we kind of get it, we know. And so I thought, you know, being a youth pastor, try and find some wholesome thing that I can take photos of instead. And as many of you know, one of the things that I love to do is hosting. I love cooking, I love making food, it's a creative outlet for me. And so I thought, you know what, instead of taking pictures of my face, because people already know it, what it looks like, because there's a photo of it from, you know, I don't know, a previous month. Instead of doing that, I am going to take pictures of food pictures of hosting. I loved it. I thought it was wholesome. What a good thing to take pictures of. And so I did that. And one day I was sitting in a meeting and an important meeting. I was on my phone and a colleague of mine, another pastor walked in and he kind of joked around a bit and he said, Oh, Nadia, you know, what are you doing? And he's like, I bet you're posting another picture of hosting. And then he went on to, um, you know, imitate me and, and didn't do a very good job of it. But he's like, oh, hi guys, you know, here I am posting about food and this is amazing and you should all do it. And, and people laughed and I did my best. You know, when you're, the, when, when you're the butt of the joke, you do your best to laugh sometimes and sometimes it's genuinely funny, but sometimes you're like, wait, is that me? Do I do that? I feel insecure in this moment. That was me in that moment. I felt deeply insecure. And I was like, hang on a minute. Oh my gosh, I, this is like, this is a bit of a joke. Maybe this isn't that important. Maybe it's actually not something I should be posting about. And from that moment, I stopped posting pictures of food. I thought it was kind of a little bit silly. I thought maybe that's not something, you know, that I should do as a pastor. And so instead, you know, because I was 25 and full of wisdom, I thought I'd just post pictures of really, you know, insightful quotes things that would make me seem super wise because I learned so much in my 25 years. But I should have trusted my gut that day. I should not have let the words of someone else in and I can almost guarantee it that he was just having a laugh. He wasn't really trying to have a dig at me, but I shouldn't have let my own insecurities get the better of me that day. Because fast forward now, maybe 10 years, and I have come to learn that one of the best ways that we can serve others and one of the key ways that I believe that we're going to come out of this really challenging season, the season that we've been in, uh, in our world and in the church of isolation, is not just through great teaching in the church, not just through great services, not through, um, you know, right now we all get so excited about things that um, arrive from the postman, but really we're not going to get through the season through purchasing the next thing and getting the right things or getting the latest car. But I do believe that one of the key ways that we're going to come out of the season strong and, and for the future of the church to be strong is through the kindness of hospitality. And by that, I specifically mean having people in your home, feeding people, breaking bread together. The scripture says, for I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. This is basically like a dummy's guide to friendship on how to build relationship. When we break down the scripture, it speaks of steps relational steps. It talks about eating together and drinking together. It speaks of a welcome for the stranger. And then from there, it shows a real deepening 
of the relationship. That yes, it starts at the table, simply breaking bread. It seems so small, it seems so insignificant, but then it moves and transitions from that into something so much more personal. When I was naked, you clothed me. When I was sick, you visited me. When I was in prison, you came to me. These are things that you do for people that you love, for people that you have relationship with. Such a powerful picture of the journey of relationship. What's even more profound, and I mentioned this in my first message um, in the scripture, is the reality that it shows how Jesus describes the separation of the sheep and the goats. Now, man, if that doesn't make you stop and think about your Christian journey, it should. It challenges me every single day when I read this. I feel so challenged, wondering which side am I going to be on? Jesus is saying that to be a Christ follower is to have a posture of hospitality, of open arms, of a welcome for the stranger, of a welcome for the stranger. As a church body, I believe that we are clearly moving into a season where deep relationships in the church should not just be hoped for, but they are required. Because to overcome what the world is throwing at the church right now, it's going to require the church to be more connected than ever. As Christians, not just as Christian leaders, not just as pastors, as Christians, we are called to sacrificially serve others through hospitality. And not just our friends, not just our family, but the stranger. The person who may never give you anything in return. The person who you might not see again. Here's a crazy scripture, one that we may not like. Luke 14, 12 to 14, this is Jesus speaking. It says, And he also went on to say to the one who had invited him, When you give a luncheon or a dinner, do not invite your friends. Wait, what? Or your brothers. Well, who am I inviting? Or your relatives or and it says it, it's really important to notice what it says or your rich neighbors doesn't talk about your neighbors talks about your rich neighbors otherwise they may also invite you in return and that will be your repayment but when you give a reception invite the poor the crippled the lame the blind people who you don't know people who are struggling People who are questioning, people who have questions about faith, the blind, and you will be blessed since they do not have a means to repay you for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. I find this scripture so challenging and perhaps you do as well because it moves me from a position of hosting people who are my friends or who I have a natural chemistry with to simply hosting people because Jesus said to do so. No strings attached. Just doing our best to be like Jesus and serve others with no personal agenda. The kind of that kind of hospitality has got to start with us. With us as Christians and our Christian faith, we must be the example. Here are just a few scriptures on hosting and breaking bread with others before I dive into I guess the kind of part two of this message. Hebrews 13 verse two says, do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unaware. I mean, what? That, <laughs> I'm like, have I? 
Have I entertained angels? Did I do a good job? I don't know. I hope so. 1 Peter 4 verse 9 says, Show hospitality to one another without grumbling, my Lord. I grumble. Like, it's not always easy to be hospitable, even when it's one of your love languages. It gets tiring. It's not always easy. I find myself grumbling about it quite a bit, and then I'm reminded by the scripture. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. Romans 12, 13 says, contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. I know that um, a few weeks back, Caleb talked about contributing to the body. And this is saying, look, contribute to the needs of the saints, be a part of it and seek to show hospitality. Revelation 3, 20 says, Here I am, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and what? Eat with that person and they with me. This idea of ministry of the table is just so biblical. It's so God. It's so his plan. Matthew eleven nineteen says, The Son of Man, I love this. It just cracks me up. The Son of Man came eating and drinking. How good is that? Jesus, the Son of Man came eating and drinking. And they say, look at him, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Yet wisdom is justified by her deeds. The ministry of the table is one of the most basic forms of ministry. So simple. But my question is, has it become a lost art? In the midst of doing life, prioritizing ourselves, planning for our family, have we perhaps put to the side the simple biblical practice of hospitality? We get so consumed with our own lives. We get so consumed with the next thing with making sure that we have got this planned out and that planned out and making sure that we're doing that thing and that thing, moving ourselves forward, what's good for me. We live in a world right now that's just so focused on self and I think that part of that is good, but not at the expense of biblical practices. And hospitality is a biblical practice. Let's fast forward now 10 years from my friend's comment to today. I've learned in the 15 years of doing ministry in New Zealand and the last three to four years here that opening our home, dining with strangers at our table will go down as one of the simplest and yet most powerful things we could have done with our lives. The ministry of the table. So why? Why am I doing a part two? Firstly, to remind us and just to bring us back to this kind of understanding that this is a biblical practice for us as Christians. But I want to dive deeper into it and talk a little bit more about it. Last time I was able to give some tips and hosting tips. If you missed it, please go back and re-watch it. I gave a little bit of the why, but I want to dive deeper into more of the why. Why do I believe that this needs to be a part, a core part, of the future church. If you're taking points today, the first reason I believe this is so important, the ministry of the table. I know I'm gonna be harping on about it for forever. Welcome, it's gonna be something that I'll be talking about for many days to come. But the first reason I think for today's message, the first reason I think this is so important 
is that point number one, surface connection becomes soil connection. Surface connection becomes soil connection. I'm reading a book at the moment, a wonderful book, and one of the opening illustrations for it is about redwood trees. Redwood trees are some of the largest trees in the world, the tallest trees, and they, they stand so tall, so strong, and so straight, and they're usually all together grouped together. The fascinating thing about these trees is their root system. Most trees, individual trees, try and find as much space and go as deep as they possibly can in order to withstand whatever might come its way. The beautiful thing about redwood trees, the tallest, strongest, most, you could say successful, I don't even know if you could say that about trees, but the reason that these trees, the difference with these trees is rather than their root system going, you know, hundreds of feet down as far as they can, they actually only go about six feet deep, which is amazing because you look at these trees and go, there's no way that these trees are held up by simply going six foot deep, some of them four foot deep. The difference with them is that they actually go almost 100 feet wide underground their root system. And the reason that they are so tall and so strong, the reason that when the winds come their way, they are not bent, they're not moved, they stand tall and strong and straight, is because instead of their roots going down deep, they do go wide, like I said. But here's the cool thing. Every tree intertwines their root system with the one next to it and the one next to it and the one next to it. So when you go underneath, underneath the soil, when you get beyond the surface, the reason that they are so strong and so connected and doing so well and full of health and life and together and not disturbed by whatever storms might come their way is because their root system is intertwined. They hold each other up. Their great strength is found in their below-surface connection that they have with each other's root system. Isn't that incredible? The thing is, is that when you sit down at a table and you hear people's stories and allow them into your world to hear some of your story too, it allows the roots of your life to intertwine. When people are connected together beyond the surface beyond a quick hello at church beyond like yeah week's been great thanks so much when you get to connect beyond that and when it's more than just the pastor trying to get everybody in their home Jaden, who's sitting in here trying to get everybody in his home when it gets beyond that and there's a community of people that understand that if together we can all create this sense of connection underneath the surface then it becomes really hard for the enemy to bring division. It becomes really hard for the enemy to take out that group of people. Um, Levi and I, we love to, you know, take some time and we go for walks and we talk about all sorts of things. And we really kind of start off the walk and, and kind of give it to the Holy Spirit and say, you know, Holy Spirit, would you guide our conversation? We have the most epic conversations and the other day, you know, we, we might talk about marriage or kids or the church or whatever it might be. But the other day we were out walking and we we're talking about 
you know, things going on in the world and and we're sitting by the lake and we found ourselves talking pretty much like to sum it up about cancel culture. And we're sitting there just kind of like, man, cancel culture kind of sucks. It's it's not awesome. And uh, and and Levi said, you know, let's let's take let's take for example Jaden because this would never happen. But let's take Jaden, you know, in our church. This is the kind of culture that cancel culture is. Let's say that Jaden is there and he finds out something that he he thinks that we believe or don't believe, whatever it might be, and. And then he just decides, oh, I don't like that. And so then he leaves and he takes a whole bunch of people with him and, and that's it, that's done. He said, he said to me, what do we do with that? You know, how do we, how, how is the church going to continue reaching people and loving people if, if that's kind of the culture that we live in today? And we sat and we were talking about that and we realized, you know, the difference is, is that Jaden's been in our home. We could take an example of someone else. They may have been in our home. And because of that, there's that connection. Whoever it is is going to know that actually they can just have a conversation. They don't have to just all of a sudden throw their hands up and, you know, say, I'm done, I'm out. We can actually sit down and have wonderful conversations, maybe even disagreements, and still love one another because there is that connection. Now, not everyone can sit in my home for dinner. I understand that, but they can sit in yours. If we create a culture together and a community together, a church together, where we are deeply connected under the surface, then man, we can help one another to stay connected. When the enemy comes with lies, when we start to believe something that we shouldn't, we have that open connection with one another where it gets incredibly difficult because the root system is joined beyond the surface. There is real connection, real relationship, real community. That's why the saying goes, the family that eats together stays together. Deep, authentic relationships keep the church united, strong and standing tall no matter what storms might come its way. The second reason the ministry of the table is so important is the best way to know your audience is to know your audience. The best way to know your audience is to know your audience. We need to know the world to reach the world. The ministry of our lives and all of our lives are a ministry, by the way. The ministry of our lives remain relevant because of the table. Many Christians I know, in my opinion, and it's, it's just mine, seem to be out of touch with the world around them because they have created isolated little worlds. And yes, we are not to be of the world, but we are still in it. And yes, we are meant to be set apart, but if we create our own little worlds that never remain connected to the people that we are trying to reach, then guess what? We will not reach them. Staying connected is not meant to be easy, by the way. People think, oh, it's so easy, it should be easy. Staying connected is not meant to be easy, it's hard. Because staying connected to the world in some way requires change because the world is always changing. <laughs> but we can get so stuck in our ways that 
almost the message of our lives can become irrelevant because we don't even know how to talk to the people that we are trying to reach. But sometimes it requires change. Sometimes it requires us to change. And change is not hard when we're trying to stay. Change can be hard when we're trying to stay connected to the people we want to reach. I mean, COVID has just made that so clear. We've all had to change the way that we connect with people. All of a sudden, we've gone from connecting with people in person to having to learn how to do different things and communicate in different ways, whether you be at work or whether you be in university or whether you be in ministry. I mean, I will never forget the moment that COVID hit and we were like, oh, it should be fine. And then we realized we couldn't have church on Sunday. And we couldn't go out of our houses and we couldn't get different things that we needed for services. And so Levi and I were at home with, you know, we're, a, we're church pioneering. So we didn't have a whole bunch of stuff. We didn't have these amazing kind of light things that shine on us to make sure that you can see us on the video. So I'm not joking. You know what I did? The first night that we were doing a recording, I was taking frames off the wall, taking out the pictures, taping uh, like baking paper, baking sheets into the frames, standing them up in front of lamps and kind of taping them up onto the lamp, trying to create lighting so that we could do a video for church on Sunday. Staying connected is hard. Change is hard sometimes. But it's so important that we remain malleable and open to the Holy Spirit coming and speaking to us and helping us to learn how to connect, to learn how to stay connected to the people that we are trying to reach. We cannot create these little isolated worlds. Otherwise, the world that we are trying to reach is never going to be connected to us. Some old ways of doing things are important. Some old ways of evangelizing are important. But in our desperate hope to hold on to what we know or to keep our kids safe from the big bad world, which I totally understand, um, or to cultivate our own righteousness and close ourselves off from the world because it's just getting even more crazy and even more scary, we could become so disconnected from the world that we never reach the world. Now, at the end of the day, God wants to use us, but perhaps he doesn't need us. So at the end of the day, God is still going to reach the world. But I don't know about you. I want to be a part of it. I don't want to get so disconnected from the people that I'm trying to reach that with my life, I can no longer reach them. The best way to know your audience is to know your audience. And it happens at the table. Jesus knew the people he was reaching. He understood their stories. I've heard it said that if Jesus were alive today, he would use live broadcast technology to reach as many people as he could. And maybe that's true. But would that stop him from dining with Zacchaeus and the worst of the worst people? Would it stop him from having a meaningful conversation with the woman at the well? Would it stop him from having a meal at Simon the leper's home? Or being at Mary and Martha's and teaching Mary a woman. I honestly don't think it would. I don't think Jesus would abandon the ministry of the table. Because it kept him connected. 
I believe, as the scripture says, that the Son of Man would have come eating and drinking again, the same as he did back then. Jesus had his disciples, yes, but he was constantly dining and connecting with people who were different to him. People who were living in sin, people who were outcasts. As Christians, we can't get stuck in a world of having people around you who only agree, who have the same perspective, who are on the same page. Now, of course, you've got to cultivate healthy relationships and make sure that you are being influenced in the right way. This is not a point to say, go to the bar, do the things that your non-Christian friends do in order to connect. That is not this. But it is saying, don't create a closed off world. To continue growing, continue reaching, to stay humble and to stay relevant enough to reach a world that is more confused than ever, more divided than ever, more in search of truth than ever, we need to know them. When was the last time you tried to connect with your neighbor? It's a good question. When was the last time you attempted to have a conversation that went beyond the surface with someone who isn't a Christian. We must remain connected to the people that Jesus is asking us to reach. The best way to know your audience is to know your audience. The third thing is that relational discipleship cannot be replaced by books, podcasts, or sermons. Relational discipleship cannot be replaced by books, podcasts, or sermons. The unforgettable moments for the people in your world, or even for you, will be the moments where you've enjoyed a great dinner, hearts are open, then you sit in the lounge and you talk and you grow and they ask questions and you ask questions and relational discipleship takes place. Iron sharpens iron. Watching you do life, it helps others to do life. Just like you watching others do life helps you to do life. Yes, as a church, we should teach people how to live. We should have good biblical teaching. But one of the most powerful ways to teach people around us is to show them. Show people how to live. And don't just show them through filters. Filters are for Instagram, not for ministry of the table. Please show that a messy home is normal. That awkward disagreements with your spouse in front of people are normal. Bounce out of it because there's a time and a place. But it helps others to relate and not feel so isolated. Let people see how you parent. Don't just try and be this perfect parent. Otherwise, people will look and go, oh my gosh, that's how we have to be. And then they won't know how to parent themselves. Some of the greatest discipleship given to me was from an older couple in our previous church who just let us come over every Saturday. They just let us come over every Saturday. Levi and I didn't grow up in a home with, uh, you know, a mum and dad who were together or, you know, uh, who, I don't know, knew how to manage things that we're trying to learn how to manage today. We didn't know about Christianity. We didn't know about biblical living. There was so much for us to learn. And this, this family, the McConnell family, they would just let us go over every Saturday morning. We would arrive there at about 10 a.m., she was a great cook, so we always knew we were going to get good food. And we started going when we had Ryder, and then we kept going when we had Mika, and then we kept going when we had Hugo. They would just let us go and be around them. And they let us see them do real life. 
And in doing that, we received some of the greatest discipleship we could ever receive. We watched how they spoke to each other about finances. We watched how they parented their three boys. We watched how they would manage disagreements. We saw how their home sometimes was messy and sometimes was immaculate. We saw how they did life, parenting, marriage, their walk with God, finances. And can I just say, no podcast could replace that. No sermon, no parenting book. Bringing people into your life, having people in your home, no matter what stage you're at, is going to be some of the most wonderful discipleship that people can get. Relational discipleship cannot be replaced by books, cannot be replaced by sermons, cannot be replaced by podcasts. Bring people into your world. And the fourth and final point for today, for this part two of the Ministry of the Table, which I hope is just encouraging you today. The fourth point is we do it for Jesus. We do it for Jesus. Why do we do this? Why is it so important to welcome people in our home? Why is it so important to have a meal together? Why is it so important to connect? Why is it so important to be real with one another? Why is it so important to not just focus on what we want from life and focus on our small world and, and focus on just our, our beliefs and block everybody else out? It's because we do it for Jesus. We welcome people into our family because he welcomed us into his family. And when you remember this and have this at the forefront of your mind, then it gives you the fire to do it. It gives you that meaning. It gives great meaning. When, when we lose our why, we lose our way. We stop doing, practicing the way of Jesus when we lose the why. The why behind it is Jesus. The why behind it is look, look at all that he's done for us. Look at the welcome that he's given to us. He has welcomed us into his family with all of our sin and with all of the ugliness. He knows everything about us and yet he welcomes us in. We have a home in his church in the family of God. We find a place and his desire is that same welcome that he gives us we would give to other people. We do it to build his family, to do his work. And the truth is, is that if we are all playing our part, if we are all contributing to this practice of hospitality, then we shouldn't grow tired. We may have moments where we are, and that's okay. But really, if we're all kind of, I guess the best way to do it, say it, is pulling our weight. If we're all pulling our weight with this, then it should kind of be evenly distributed, right? We should all kind of equally be blessed in doing our job as Christians of welcoming the stranger into our home. The same open arms that he showed us. Remember that the only thing that we take with us when we leave this earth is the relational. I believe that what takes place at the table is holy. I believe in the power of a meal together. I believe as Christians, hospitality should be a hallmark of our faith. All of the people, I've said this before, but all of the people I've met here in Canada were once strangers. 
but a welcome, a dinner party, a meal, has built a church family. And as a church family in this current social climate, I believe the ministry of the table will bring glory to the name of Jesus, will set the church apart as being a place of healing, of hope and truth. And it's how we will continue to build not just a congregation of individuals, but a family of people standing strong, known as the church. Let's pray. God, we just thank you for your word. We thank you, Father, for, uh, like I said, just the opportunity to be together today on this online platform, online campus. And Father, we just ask that you would speak to us. Help us to even um, know how to connect with one another, even though it may be online. Give us the courage to reach out, to click that button, to connect with one of the hosts. Father, we just ask that you would bless every person with this message today. Father, that you'd speak to our hearts. We thank you that you gave a welcome to us. And we ask that you would help us to do the same for others. In Jesus' name. And every person said, Amen. Amen. Before you go, I just want to give every person an opportunity. You know, you might be joining us today and you're saying, I don't have a relationship with God. I don't have a relationship with Him. Maybe you once did and you found yourself back on this online platform kind of asking the question, Should, do I need to come back? Do I need to step back into a, a relationship with God? And the answer is absolutely yes. Stepping into a relationship with God has been one of the, is the greatest decision I've made with my life. Walking into his family, having the Holy Spirit fill my life, having Jesus in my life to walk with me, to talk with me, to help me grow, to become the person that God has made me to be. Just the greatest journey. And it's not always easy. Don't, don't consider that when you become a Christian, you start running through fields and daisies and you know chasing butterflies. That's certainly not what happens. It can be hard. The Bible says that we will face trials of many kinds, but we do it with God. We do it with the Holy Spirit in our lives. And we do it with Jesus beside us, helping us the entire way. He becomes our friend, he's our savior, and he's so good to forgive us. And so if you're here today and you're saying, Nadia, I want to know more about Jesus. I want to step into a relationship with him. I want to step back into a relationship with him. Then I would love to pray a really simple prayer with you. I'm going to kind of say the line of the prayer and you can just repeat it with me. If you're a Christian here today, I encourage you to just be praying for any person who is considering this amazing decision right now. And then after we pray that prayer, one of our hosts would love to just connect with you. Because we understand that, yeah, there's a moment where you invite Jesus into your life, but then it's a journey. It goes on and there is so much to know about God. Let me encourage you. This Christian life that I've lived, yes, it's had ebbs and flows, but man, I just continue to understand the goodness and the bigness and the amazingness. Is amazingness even a word? Just how amazing our God really is it's an incredible journey and we want to make sure that you don't just have this moment today but you also are helped in walking out that journey and so if that's you today it, it would be my honor my priv privilege to pray this prayer with you every person would you close your eyes 
I'm going to say a line of the prayer. And if you're praying this prayer from your heart, I encourage you to say a line with me. It goes like this. Dear Jesus, I thank you for what you did for me on the cross. Today I come and I ask, would you forgive me of my sin? Wash me clean, make me brand new. I thank you that you do. I thank you, Jesus. I thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, if you were standing in church today, we would all be giving you a huge round of applause to say really congratulations and just to say this is the best moment of your life where you get to start walking with your creator and understanding that there is purpose for you. There is meaning for your life, that he has a great plan for your life and he wants to walk it with you. If you did make that decision, please click that button that says, I raised my hand. It's like, you're like, yeah, I prayed that prayer. Uh, click that button to say you raise your hands. And like I said, one of our hosts would love to connect with you. Hey, thank you so much everybody for joining with us today. We are so grateful for this online campus. Grateful to have you here. Make sure that you stick around and connect. Connect with Dory, connect with Sean. I'm sure they would love to get to know you and we will see you next week. Oh yeah, we will see you at Kindred. Is that this week coming? It's on Friday. Okay, seriously, if you're in Kingston, if you're in Toronto, there are people driving to get here. If you have been watching online, you haven't yet been in church and you live in Ottawa, please, please consider coming to Kindred Women's Night. It is going to be so good. We have already got so many registrations. I'm really excited about the seed that this is going to sow into our city, into the women of our church, into the families of our church. So make sure you sign up. You can register on the website or you can jump on like our Instagram and click the link in bio. Sign up, bring some friends and I'll see you on Friday. We are so glad you joined us for the Local Church Podcast. To get connected, please follow us on social media and check out our website for groups and other ways to get involved.